The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I want to talk for just a little bit about working with difficulty, um, how to approach challenging states of mind, challenging states of body as we engage in this practice. So probably key is a sense of curiosity, a sense of interest in understanding the experience as opposed to an attitude or an agenda of how can I get rid of this. So that attitude or agenda, how can I get rid of this, is, an, is one of the attitudes we need to acknowledge, to recognize. Um, so the, the, the attitude of curiosity is one that supports our uh, ability to engage. So seeing if you can take an interest in your difficulties as opposed to having a sense of opposition to them. So one way to think about this or or kind of an analogy in terms of looking at this is that we are trying to gather data to understand our minds and the states, the difficult states of mind are you know, just one aspect of our mind that we're trying to understand. And it's a, it's a slow process of just meeting that experience, gathering the data that's available in, that, in those moments of that experience, and not particularly trying to figure it out or push it away or do anything with it, but just gathering that data, just gathering information. And this can take some time. We don't have to actively try to figure out something. What seems to happen as we gather this data is that patterns and understandings naturally emerge. So we don't have to actively uh, think about or try to figure out how a pattern is unfolding. Just through watching it, the, the mind begins to understand the patterns. So as an analogy of this... Um, I like the analogy around kind of being a naturalist or being um, a stargazer, an astronomer. Think about the first people who wanted to understand the stars, wanted to understand the patterns of the stars. Before there were any books or anybody who knew about it, what did they have to do? They had to go out there and observe. They had to just look at the patterns. Night after night, they had to look at the patterns. And slowly, patterns began to emerge over time, over the seasons, um, you know, when particular stars arrive, arise in the east and set in the west. It just took that witnessing, watching, the, the willingness to observe. And then the mind begins to understand patterns. The mind very naturally understands patterns. It's something that our minds are very good at. So in, in terms of... Um, you know, witnessing something, observing something over and over and over again, the mind begins to deeply understand it. It begins to have a, a sense of how causes and conditions lead to it. Um, it. It understands how it unfolds, what what makes it fall away. So the observation itself is all that we really need to do. The natural wisdom of the mind begins to make the connections. 
it begins to help us to understand in our difficult states of mind what causes and conditions lead to this difficult state of mind, what support its falling away, what is the difficult state of mind? What is the experience of that difficult state of mind? Is it, is it suffering? Is it agitation? Is it stress? The mind being willing to connect with this, the whole pattern of it, it will begin to understand what it is that leads us into suffering and what it is that leads us away from suffering or stress or dissatisfaction, whatever word you want to use for that place where we just feel like things are not right in the world. And so the, uh, the kind of interest in just understanding, the interest in understanding how the patterns come to be is, uh, is the pathway for us. Because when the mind understands, when that understanding is present, kind of as a natural, another natural thing our minds do is naturally want to avoid things that make us feel stressed, unhappy, uncomfortable. And we typically, you know, we're, we're living our lives trying to navigate our lives by trying to find ways to make ourselves happy. You know, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, get this, get rid of that, then I'll be happy. But we're missing kind of the bigger picture, which is, is that very manipulation, that very kind of struggling to make the world the way we want it to be as opposed to just meeting the world as it is. It's that very manipulation that actually is a a large part of our struggle, of our suffering itself. And so we fundamentally misunderstand what it is that will make us happy. We kind of have a delusion in our minds. This is one of the main ways we're deluded. We think we understand what will make us happy by getting what we want, getting ready what we don't want. But that... um, we, we don't see in that being caught by that delusion that that very act of trying to get what we want and trying to get rid of what we don't want is what's making us unhappy, is, is our struggle, is our suffering. So the mind naturally wants to gravitate towards happiness and as the uh, mind begins to understand through this gentle observation, repeated observation, as the mind begins to understand its own contribution to our suffering, as it understands that it's, you know, this wanting things to be other than they are, not being happy with what things, things as they are. It's that that's causing our, our suffering. As it sees its own contribution, it begins to let go of that because it ultimately, our minds want to move us towards happiness. And the more we understand about what true happiness is, the more our minds will move us in that direction. Not by getting things, by having things, but by letting go. By letting go of things. So the observation, just the kind of gentle observation of our struggles is one of the ways to really begin to understand them. And so that's a key piece, is just that curiosity. So a few pointers to this. I mean, we can basically, when something challenging comes up, if you can just meet it, if you can just be aware of it, if in some kind of a struggle you, you know there's struggle happening, this is the first approach. I mean, you notice, you notice struggle and you notice your attitude about it. 
Is there ease, aversion, delusion around the struggle? Is there balance of mind? Uh, is there greed? Do I want something? Is that what's making the struggle? Because I want something that's not here. I want to get rid of something that is here. Is that what's making the struggle? So that's the first kind of pass, is um, noticing it. Can you just be with it? Sometimes we have the belief that when some kind of struggle is happening, it means we're not being mindful. It means that we're doing something wrong. And the kind of check-in, am I aware? Am I able to be aware of this? If you're aware of it, if you can notice that you are aware of this struggle, you're mindful of it. You can be mindful of it. What we need to keep an eye out for is whether we start to get caught by that struggle and spin into patterns of thought around it. When that happens, as we, as we find that we cannot meet the experience of the struggle with mindfulness because we find that we get just spun out into how to fix it, how to change it, how to get rid of it, how to make the person pay for what they did to us, whatever story is we're, we're spinning around it. When we notice that we repeatedly spin out, then it's time for some interventions. It's time to actually start directing attention, seeing if you can kind of cut that flow of spinning thought in order to be able to be present. So some of the first things that you can do, uh, just investigate in the body. Notice in the body how you're, how you're feeling with this experience. Turning towards the body is a, is a great way to take the attention out of the thoughts. So you know, this is kind of some standard instructions around working with difficulty. Turn the attention towards the bodily experience. Let go of the thoughts. Um, check the attitude. That's a really great help because often you know, we're having some kind of struggle. We're angry about it, about something, for instance. And we have this attitude about it like, I need to get rid of this anger in order to be mindful. So we've got that attitude. So needing to be aware that that's our agenda, that's our attitude. And again, as, as we kind of, um, as some people were noticing this morning, simply being aware that this attitude is operating is, is sometimes enough. And just to, to kind of let that become part of what we are aware, as opposed to operating in the background, and it ceases to have its power over us. A lot of these, you know, uh, hidden agendas only have their power when they remain hidden. And so bringing them into the light of mindfulness, they often lose their power. There's a couple of tools that I find helpful when there's something challenging happening for me. One is that I often find that when there's something challenging going on, it's as if it serves as a magnet for my mindfulness. It's kind of like, oh, there's this anger, or there's this pain, or there's you know, something you know, strong, and it's kind of like, vroom, the mind, mindfulness goes there and it goes, okay, got to pay attention to that, got to figure that out. And it's almost like a greed around that struggle. The, the, there's an attitude of kind of latching on to that thing in order to observe it in order usually to make it go away. So there's, you know, there's that kind of um, agenda around it. And I found it, it helpful at times to 
consciously recognize or consciously expand the field of awareness so that this single thing, this, this thing, this anger, this pain, whatever it is, becomes more normalized. It, uh, it's seen within a larger field. So recognizing consciously, I, I will consciously let myself recognize, okay, this is just one of thousands of things that's happening right now in the present moment. This pain or this anger or this loneliness or this depression. There's also seeing happening. There's also um, other body sensations happening. There's also hearing happening. You're kind of consciously recognizing that this is just one thing among many that are going on. For me, that helps to kind of normalize the uh, experience. If the um, pattern seems to be a persistent one, if the, the difficulty or struggle seems to be one that comes back a lot, that particular flavor of a struggle, you find depression coming up r- repeatedly or anger coming up repeatedly or whatever your favorite struggle is. You know, We all have patterns that we are familiar with that we move into a lot. We get these kind of ruts in our mind and we go close to them, the ball drops into that rut and it just repeats the patterns over and over again. When we notice that kind of a repetitive pattern, it can be helpful to kind of acknowledge for yourself three states around that pattern. First of all, is the pattern present or absent? Often these repetitive patterns, the ones that come back a lot, they tend to be ones we strongly identify with. They're ones that we, um, we believe have something to do with me. You know, I am a miserable person. I am a depressed person. I'm a lonely person. I'm always lonely. I'll never not be lonely. And we, we move into identification around these states. There are times when the feeling of loneliness is present and there are times when that feeling is absent. And one way to kind of poke holes in the identity around that feeling is to notice when it's absent. Consciously recognize, oh yeah, at this moment I actually feel kind of (laughs) happy. Okay? So that loneliness is not there. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge when that pattern is not active. When it's present, when the pattern is operating, notice when it's present and you're able to be balanced around it. When it's just, oh yeah, there's, there's that feeling of depression or there's that feeling of anger. There's that feeling of wanting, of desire. When you can be balanced around that and when you're caught by it, when it feels like this is something you really need to do something about. So that feeling caught by versus not caught by is another good uh, place to check. And it's fine to feel caught by it. That's just, oh, caught. I'm caught by this. That's a, it's again, that's a kind of an attitude, that feeling of something has to change around this. So noticing, oh, caught, I'm caught by this. There's, there's anger, and I'm caught by it. There's anger, oh, and I'm not caught by it. It's just kind of, there's the anger. And then, oh, there's some resistance. Oh, I'm caught by it again. So noticing those three things, present, absent. When it's present, are you caught, 
caught or not caught by the state. I found that to be very, very helpful. Just kind of very simply looking at those different uh, states around a pattern. And then um, in, the, in lines with this practice, particularly using reflection, this, this practice uses reflection, um, the question of what is my attitude is kind of a reflection. The um, asking, what am I aware of? That's kind of a reflection. And reflection is not a thinking about so much in this style here. It's, it's more of a kind of orient, orienting the mind in a direction to see what can the mind notice about that theme or that area. So, um, you know, what's my attitude is just dropping that question into the meditation and seeing what can you notice about that. So it's not a thinking about it. It's not a trying to figure out what your attitude is. And likewise, around difficult states, there's a couple of questions, reflections that you can bring in that sometimes will orient the mind in a way of curiosity as opposed to, how can I get rid of this? So it can bring in the the sense of curiosity to to bring these questions in. And they're not, again, they're not meant to think about. I really have to keep emphasizing that. The two core questions around difficulties, difficult emotions, would be, what purpose is this serving? So that can sometimes kind of unmask something that's underneath. You know, what purpose is this serving, you know? This depression, what purpose is this serving? Well, it's kind of protecting me. Oh, okay, so there's this feeling of protectiveness going on underneath. So asking that question, you might notice something that you hadn't quite noticed before just by orienting the the meditation around that question. Another question around a difficult emotion is, is this necessary? Then there are some other kinds of reflections we can use which bring in an attitude of wisdom, of um, of clarity to the meditation. It's kind of like dropping in something that we may not be feeling as truth in the moment, but is aligned with truth. It's dropping in a, a, a phrase or a, a statement into the meditation that's aligned with the way things are. And one of my favorites along these lines is this is nature. This experience that I'm having is simply a product of causes and conditions. It is as if it were some kind of a tree growing. You know, it's like this, this, this emotion of anger is created because the seeds for anger were planted, the conditions came together, it was watered, it was cared for through the, the causes and conditions of my life, and that tree grew. It is simply... An, uh, a, a natural occurrence that this experience is happening. So for me, this is kind of a relief, b- dropping this phrase into my meditation. It's like, oh, right, okay. This is just what's happening. It's, it doesn't, nothing needs to change except that I 
need to be able to attend to it. So for me, using that phrase, this is nature, brings in some of that uh, more balanced attitude. It can bring in more of that sense of ease and dispassion around that difficulty. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that difficulty will go away, but it may mean that reactivity to the difficulty will abate somewhat so that you can just be with that unfolding experience. Another version of this from the Buddha is, uh, and he says this repeatedly actually in his teachings, you should reflect, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. So bringing that phrase into your meditation can also give give yourself a little distance around this experience. This, this state that's coming up, it's just a product of causes and conditions. It is just patterns and habits. It is not you. It's not who you are. It comes and goes. It is the experience of the moment. There's no need to take it, pick it up and say, oh, this is who I am. I am an angry person. I am a lonely person. I'm a person who's miserable. I've always been miserable and I always will be miserable. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not who I am. Then we also need to learn, learn to respect our difficult states. I mean, I've, I've kind of given you various approaches for looking at difficulty, working with difficulty, turning to the body, seeing if you can let go of thoughts, making the container bigger, seeing if you can notice it as one of many things in the experience, noticing whether you're caught, not caught, presence, absence, um, using reflections to support your ability to be with the experience. If these things don't work, if you're still just completely caught and spinning out by this state, it's probably time to turn your attention to something else, to let go of of trying to work with that difficulty. I found in my own experience, for a period of time in in my early years of practice, anger was a very strong pattern for me. And often my anger was stronger than my ability to be mindful. So if I tried to be mindful of that anger, the mindfulness would get like swept under and the anger would take over. So I learned that what I needed to do was to meet that anger just briefly and say, I see you, and then turn my attention to something else, kind of with a not now. I think there are other teachers that teach this kind of not now approach. Not now. It's And the way I faced this anger for myself was I kind of made a bargain with it. I said, well, not now. I'll pay attention to you when my mindfulness gets stronger so that I wasn't, you know, trying to push away that difficult state. It's really important in that using of not now to not do it with aversion, to simply see if you can go, okay, I'm going to put my attention over there because I see it's not so helpful to try to pay attention to this difficulty. It is stronger. That pattern is stronger than my ability to be mindful. So really learning how to respect that 
in your mind and knowing and it's through trial and error that we learn this I mean, it was through getting caught many times in my anger that I began to realize, oh, it's actually not so helpful for me to try to be mindful of this. I need to let go of this. So learning how to let go that way, learning how to turn away without aversion, it can, that can take some time, but it is worth um, learning how to cultivate that. For myself, in turning away from that, it's not so helpful to just, at least in my experience, not so helpful to try to distract myself with some other kind of thought. You know, oh, well, okay, well, I don't want don't to think about that, so I'm going to think about this. I'll, I'll just see if I can think about a trip to Fiji. <laughs> you know, then, and then what, what would happen for that is that, motive, that momentum of anger is still there, and what would happen for me is, is something along the lines of, I'd be planning my trip to Fiji, and then somebody would do something in that, and then I'd get angry at them, and I'd be off again. So distracting yourself by another kind of thought can just, that, that emotion can just get hooked, hooked back into that thought. So I found it helpful to turn my attention mindfully to something really neutral in my experience. Feet on the ground, sensations of hands, experience of hearing, something that doesn't have any kind of a charge to it. Sometimes people want to try the breath, you know, turn to the experience of breathing when there's a strong emotion. You can try that, see if it works for you. I found pretty much that when there's a strong emotion going, you know, the experience of that emotion is often in this area of the torso. And if you're trying to pay attention to the breathing, the feelings of that emotion in the torso are going to remind you of that feeling and you're just going to get caught again. So I have found it really helpful to consciously cultivate some place other than the breathing as a place of refuge when there's some difficulty. Hearing is a great one. It's outside of the physical realm. It's outside of the touch sense and so it, it really can be a neutral experience. For me, feet on the ground was the, the place I went, um, just, just that contact, uh, especially when I was walking, just the sense of the feet contacting the ground. So finding some place for you that can serve as a neutral refuge when something gets overwhelming. So let's, let's sit... Um, Again, and um, you know, I, I think I'll just do the very briefest of guided at the beginning of this, um, leaving it mostly silent. <clears throat> 